0: Pretty good. We we watched a lot of fireworks.
1: I'm a big fan of fireworks. Are you a big fan of fireworks? I like fireworks. Um, I don't really have a lot else to say. Like, can, do have you ever noticed with fireworks? how <laughs> to save them all for the end. The <laughs> what?
0: They do. They do leave them all for the end. I wish I could just watch fireworks finales instead of having to wait through all those other fireworks.
1: Yeah, like let's have everybody who does a fireworks show like all put all their fireworks in one big super flammable basket. (laughs) And then we just have one like hour long finale and that's all the fireworks that happen.
0: I think that'd be pretty good. Uh, Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read and the fireworks you've been meaning to watch. My name is Craig.
1: My name is Andrew.
0: And so when we were watching fireworks, me and my friends, on July 5th, because we had a better view of some great fireworks on July 5th than we did on yeah, July the fourth, 4th. Yeah,
1: the 4th got rained out. Uh, not, here. not here,
0: but we were farther away than I would have liked. Um, we had we got to talking, we don't know how fireworks shows work. Like, I imagine a hundred years ago, fireworks shows were like three dudes running around frantically lighting off fuses to time them with like a ragtime band. Yeah, right. I bet
1: it's all robots now, yeah, though. It's probably like, all robots now. Firework robots.
0: It, like, hit the go button on the fireworks. Embrace patriotism.
1: Yeah, I bet they, like, program it on their little their their MacBooks, and then the, they let the fireworks all go.
0: Do you have the Firework app that you use <laughs> to sync all your fireworks between your Dropbox and your fireworks?
1: It's, it's on my iPad. Ugh, is there an app for that? <laughs> I
0: Bluetoothed all my fireworks. <laughs>
1: Fireworks. I know, but I really don't know
0: how they work. <laughs> I honestly don't know how. Well, because
1: okay, so here's the, the what I know about fireworks is you have to like you can't just set it off. Like you have to put it in a stand and then point it up at the sky, and you have to Step make sure one. that <laughs> point it at to, the sky. You have to make sure that your stand does not fall over like while you you're trying to shoot the fireworks off because then it will shoot. Into the field across from your house and start a small brush fire. <laughs> Do you not that my dad did this or anything. <laughs> he made a fireworks stand out of like a Mountain Dew bottle with the bottom cut off. That's pretty good. So yeah, that that I, I can say that they don't work that way. That's oh, that's not how like it works. we can we can limit the sphere of fireworks to to not that
0: okay yeah i really i really want some analog fireworks i want some old school three burly teamsters on a like trash boat like setting off a bunch of fireworks
1: (laughs) yeah bespoke fireworks
0: yeah bespoke fireworks make them for me they should spell my name in the sky I In, saw
1: some. I saw some pictures of some fireworks that made like happy faces. I'd never seen those before. Oh, no, I haven't seen
0: those before. I saw fireworks on over the weekend that were brighter than any firework I'd ever seen. It was kind of it's terrifying. Like new, new technology, man. They just kept getting brighter. <laughs> I didn't think they were going to end. Did you see those videos of the of the drones going through the fireworks? No. It was pretty neat. Except I don't know Good. how those drones didn't get blown up. Good job, Obama. Thanks, Obama, for your kind firework ruin, drones. Ruin
1: fireworks with your drones. <laughs> uh, so
0: I guess our discussion of of firework technology is is a segue, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Into the into the topics of today's book.
1: All right. Today for this podcast, the one <laughs> that we're doing today, I read uh, Mister Penumbra's Twenty Four Hour Bookstore by Robin Sloan, which was recommended to us by one of our readers. So thank you so much. For recommending that to us um and yeah this this book is very much about the intersection between new stuff and old stuff specifically
0: like technology not just like oh i have these new plates and i have some old plates and the old plates are dirty
1: no but like specifically technology like surge technology um you know the the all the new ways we have of getting knowledge compared to the old analog ways of of doing things okay Yeah, there you go. Um, What I can say about Robin Sloan, the author, is that um, Penumbra is his first book um, and it's based on a short story that he first posted to his website and then expanded later. And um, he also released a small companion book, which I it's like a prequel. I read it, but I don't think we're probably going to have time to talk about it. Um, and then he also did this story app called Fish that's available, I believe, on just on the iOS store. I don't think it's an Android thing, but it's like an interactive story because he was—I mean, he—he he as an author is very interested in combining new things and old things. So he was trying to tell a—you know—tell a story like you would tell it with a book, except he was doing it through like an interactive app. And then one thing I found out uh via an interview that he did with NPR I think is that the you know the physical book version of Penumbra had a glow in the dark cover.
0: Yeah, I think I read about that.
1: Yeah, he was trying to give people who bought the e- the uh regular book version like something special, like a special reason to to buy it. Or he could have put like a fold out map in it. it. You could do that, but I don't think that like a fold out map of San Francisco would be very <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Might be. Here be here, dragons. Here there be burritos. Here there be Bart stops. <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> here be Google Glass. Um, but you said you read the, the e-book version. I read the
1: e-book version, yes. All right. It was well, fine.
0: Let's dive into what the book is actually about. I think we, we've kind of hinted at that it's about... So it's set in the modern day. Is that true?
1: Yeah. Um, I want to say like very near future.
0: All right. Like all these books tend to be yeah, when they tech- like, talk like late
1: late this decade future not not any later than that i don't okay, think okay cool um and that's just going off of things that things that are mentioned that are like that are happening or like might happen but like it seems very familiar and yet it seems just a touch removed from where we actually are in time right now um but he never actually meant Sloan never actually mentions the year um anyway so The book starts with our protagonist, Clay Jannon, who is a uh, relatively recent college graduate who went to a liberal arts school and then got a job in San Francisco designing a website for this fancy bagel startup called (laughs) New Bagel, which I would laugh at more but i believe that there actually is like a fancy grilled cheese startup that exists out in san francisco well, i'm
0: not surprised i mean here in philly we have federal donuts which might as well be a fancy donut startup
1: federal donuts it's great though i follow them on twitter do they tweet anything
0: good yeah they tweet pictures of their food and you can tweet at them and ask them what they are making that day they'll tell oh, nice. you cool
1: that's good brand engagement it's pretty
0: good brand brand engagement
1: so he designs the website for this startup and then the startup crashes and burns because it's stupid just like (laughs) most startup ideas. no one wanted
0: their fancy new bagels they wanted all the old
1: bagels they just wanted old-fashioned rt's and old bagels okay and um yeah, he he talks about when the when the store went out of, or like just before they went out of business, they discovered that nobody wanted these like fancy robot bagels and so they tried to go back to making old-fashioned bagels, but they were bad at it and everything got burnt and then the store went out of business.
0: That's kind of sad. Is is this told with like a little bit of humor in the telling? Is it meant to yeah, kind of yeah, elicit like the, the giggling that it's
1: eliciting out of me right now? The book is pretty light. Okay. All things the 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 Subject matter is sometimes serious, but it's usually pretty light and it doesn't, um, though it deals with technology and everything a lot, it mostly focuses on the positive aspects of what technology enables and doesn't dwell much on like the privacy and security ramifications that we have to think about when we think about it now in like the
0: post Snowden. More Mr. Wizard, (laughs) less Neuromancer? I suppose so, yeah. Uh, that's not a perfect analogy. Someone's gonna <laughs> hack it to pieces when they listen to it, but whatever. Keep going. Sorry, I'm so interrupting. He's, he
1: he is unemployed, and I the book kind of won me over when Sloane was describing Clay's unemployment because it was a very good modern picture of unemployment. Like you open the you open the jobs page and you look briefly for jobs before getting distracted, and you open a tab and then it leads you to another tab. And then instead of applying for jobs, you go and you sit on your couch and you read on your laptop. <laughs> I think that yeah, that unemployment
0: that involves you having a $500 device in your lap.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So he, by chance, kind of stumbles upon this mysterious 24-hour bookstore. And it's called Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore. Just like the book. <laughs> so you, that's where the name comes from, I think. I'm pretty sure.
0: Now, do they have a website or a Twitter presence?
1: They do have a website, but it's very old. Okay. And that will come, that will come into play a little bit later, I guess. Great. But, um, so Mr. Penumbra is this old guy, and Clay comes in, and he says, Oh, I saw you had a Help to sign up. And Penumbra asks him, "Like, What do you seek in these shelves? That's my old man voice. Wait, say and that again? What do you seek in these shelves, he says. I but think say it in your voice. Close. No, I can't do it again. What do you seek in these
0: shelves?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. All right, great. (laughs) It's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe he asked him what his favorite book is or something. But he asked him a
0: question. What's your favorite book, kiddo? (laughs) it's,
1: It's obviously one of those questions where the like he's expecting a certain answer and you don't know what the answer is but if you answer wrong like you're not gonna get the job
0: (laughs) no soup for you
1: yeah and so clay answers like he he talks about this this like game of thrones meets wheel of time meets tolkien series that he loves and he and he read as a kid all the time Uh, the dragon song chronicles which also sounds goofy but is also like close enough to what actual books are called that I can't really fault it.
0: Oh yeah. That's like if if in a book someone said and there's this series called A Song of Ice and Fire, you'd be like, Oh, yeah, that right. sounds ridiculous. That's the most
1: generic, <laughs> stupid fancy title I've ever heard. Okay. So Penumbra Penumbra is suitably impressed and makes him the manager, like the night manager of this twenty four hour bookstore. So Clay starts working at this place and he notices that there are not really all that many people who come in. And while they have a smattering of modern books, their selection is by no means comprehensive. Mm -hmm. Um, There are these tall shelves in the back and there are these strange customers who come in and they don't have to pay anything, but they just come in and they trade one book for another book on those high shelves. And as a condition of his employment, Clay has been told not to look at these, you know, at the contents of these books.
0: I thought you were going to say he's not allowed to look at these people.
1: <laughs> no, he's <laughs> hes actually, he's supposed to look at them because um, part of his employment is writing down in painstaking detail what everybody looks like and is wearing and like their disposition when they come into to check That out seems
0: books. oddly specific. I thought yeah, you said this uh, wasn't about Snowden. What do you t- Come on.
1: <laughs> he doesn't put it on the internet. He puts it in he puts it in these logbooks that have been maintained since time immemorial. Oh no. <laughs> Inmemorial or in memoriam? Immemorial. Is that one Two word? M. 2 M's no space. Not time in memoriam. <laughs> no, not no. Time? No, Craig. <laughs> dumbo (laughs) okay and um secret
0: books in the top in the back back of the store
1: so clay's clay's a little like oh what's going on here i don't know whatever um and he he sets up like a really small really specific google ad campaign to try and bring more people into the store because he figures you know nobody ever comes in and buys anything even though we're open all the time how profitable can we possibly be and um in doing so he attracts the, the attention of this programmer girl named Kat K A T who works for Google, like real Google. It's not like a fake like
0: name checked Google
1: facsimile. Yeah, it's not it's not a barely version of Google. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you worn schmoogle glass? Come check out my Schmoogle analytics. <laughs> Um, and, and he trying to impress her builds this like 3d model of the bookstore on his computer, um, like trying to impress her in part and trying to update the, um, the book database, which is all stored on this ancient Mac that seems like it's. You know, a week away from falling apart.
0: Wait, so it's not even the the database isn't even like Dewey Decimal System like card catalog. It's it is on an old computer. Mister Penumbra yeah, has he, a computer.
1: He has a computer in, like wedged in the corner. And okay, um, again, we'll we'll get back to Mister Penumbra and his relationship to technology a little bit later. Yeah, all, right, all right. So he builds this this model of the bookstore, and he um with the help of some google like semi-futuristic google book scanner and that's why i'd say that this seems like it takes place in the near future mm. or else sloan is just guessing at google projects that we don't know about which could also <laughs> totally be possible
0: <laughs> sergey's um, reading this book like we need to burn this he knows yeah. much.
1: <laughs> and um using the data like gleaned from one of the older log books he figures out that the people who come in to trade these mysterious old books are doing it. They're all doing it in a very specific pattern. And when you connect all the dots, I guess, between these books, you make like a picture of a face. Whoa. And and he shows Mr. Penumbra. And it turns out that he's stumbled upon a secret society. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, The secret society is called the unbroken spine. Oh, that's and, clever, yeah. and and so they it's it's it goes back five hundred years, and every one of these like secret encrypted it's like all the text in all these books is encrypted. And part of what all these strange people who come in, who are coming in to to borrow them are doing is decrypting them. so it's it's a a society that's set up around like encoding and decoding this information. Okay. And encoding and decoding is how they sort of initiate new members like you have to figure out the pattern and like make this picture of a face on the shelves yourself to like get in. What's basically. the face?
0: Who is is it Johann Gutenberg's face? Whose face is no, it? No,
1: I believe the face is of Aldous Manutius, who's a real dude um related to early publishing. A few of the things that he has done, he's commissioned some fonts. Like, he commissioned, like, the first Italian, uh, t- Italian, he commissioned the first italic font. <laughs> the first not first mean, Italian it may have been, font? It may have been the first Italian font, so I'm not sure. And he and his grandson, Aldous Minutius the Younger, um, are credited with introducing standardized punctuation, so that's cool.
0: We live in a world, and this still happens today. we live in a world where people pay other people to make
1: letters look certain ways. Yep. I just, like. Thought about that too hard. Oh, no. (laughs) Making a font, I think, is much more difficult than it seems. Like We like to make fun of Comic Sans, but somebody's sweat and blood went into that. Well, then someone tried to come
0: up with a new Comic Sans as if we all forgot the old Comic Sans.
1: Or or like we were all champing at the bit to replace it with something. (laughs) Like People who use Comic Sans do not care about fonts. They don't want a cooler version of Comic Sans. They just want something
0: that doesn't look like their taxes is really what they want.
1: What if you what if you turned in I think if you turn in your W-2 filled out in Comic Sans, it automatically triggers an audit. <laughs> <laughs> you can get that if like you they sign, figure you're they figure you're joking. <laughs> if you sign up
0: for Tax, that's how you, you can Shmurbotax. file it in Comic Sans.
1: Yeah, I think Schmoogle makes that
0: <laughs> Okay, so the Unbroken so, Spine.
1: Yeah, um they they're all encrypting and decrypting these books. And the end game is to decrypt the The book of Aldus Minutius himself, because word on the street is that it contains the secrets of immortality. And if you decode it, then all past and present members of this society will all become immortal. Wait, all past members, like people yeah, who died? Like, yeah, people who died. Like including Aldus,
0: or is he still yeah. alive?
1: No, he's still he's dead. Yeah. No, he's super. He's super dead. <laughs>
0: died a couple of times trying to bring this thing back. Yeah. Okay, so Fountain of Youth.
1: Um do you have any questions so far? I feel like I've been like heavy into the plot synopsis for a bit. We'll get into the thematic stuff later. No, I'm but, um, con- I mean I kind of want to know what happens, but all right. I <laughs> I am not going to I'm not going <sighs> to spoil the end. Okay. I I will tell you more about what happens, but I'm not going to tell well, you. Well, here's something you haven't the end,
0: Okay. okay. <laughs> the, the Unbroken Spine would be a great place for the book to introduce like a true like villain, right? And you mentioned yeah. earlier that, uh, oh my God, remind me of his name it begins with a C.
1: Clay. Clay. Thank main, you. I main want, character. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I want to say Cal, but I knew that wasn't right. Uh, he liked these like adventure books, right? Are there parallels there with the way the
1: book goes? Yes. Okay. okay. The guy who authored the adventure books that he likes was a member of the Unbroken Spine. Oh snap! And he and he figured it out. What? he figured out the the code to, why didn't he pray. share it that was the deal we were all working together he i am not going to go into that oh, but he book, is like he's a he's a persona non grata with the society because his encrypted codex turned out to be the third book in you know the third of three books in that fantasy series mm. and he decrypted it and published it because like he couldn't stand not to hmm not to have it out there, and so he was expelled. And what what they, what the unbroken spine does to you when you do something like that is you get burned, which means not that you get burned, but that your book gets burned. <laughs> oh, so everyone has stands, a book. It stands, yeah. Everybody has a book. Okay. And it stand the burn book stands as a reminder of what happens when you like go against the spirit of the of the organization. All right. Now, so you mentioned an- antagonists, which yes. is one more thing I want to get into. Uh huh. Uh, the guy who is the head of the Unbroken Spine is named Corvina. That's his last name. I forget what his first name is. Oh, yeah. And um, he and Penumbra were friends back in the day, and that's like their first adventure is what the prequel book, you know, the com- the shorter companion novel. Like Ian McKellen details. and Patrick Stewart.
0: Like they're yeah, right, good right. old people buddies. Yeah. All right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, And so the... And, and this really illustrates the, the um, conflict, I guess, at the center of the book is Corvina insists that to stay true to the spirit of the order, they can only ever try to decode minutiae's codex using methods that he could have used himself. Okay. And, so
0: not and, computers.
1: Yeah. So like pen, paper, quill, whatever. And, um, and Penumbra, like he has this old computer and he has some other old computer stuff in his office and he has kind of always wanted to see what modern technology could bring to the table like he thought that they could use it to help decode the thing okay sounds reasonable and so that i mean that's the big central thematic conflict throughout the book as you have like um new new technology versus old technology, you know, the Google versus trees versus books. Yeah. <laughs> well, does because well, Google's the... thing is trying to take all this knowledge and catalog it and organize it and make it so it's all instantly accessible. But there are characters in the book who work like minor characters who work for Google, who talk about this knowledge that's trapped in these books and you have to, you have to go and find it manually. Mm. And, um,
0: what and is that the really argument? bothers
1: them to have aspects of human knowledge that's not <laughs> that's not perfectly organized <laughs> and cataloged and accessible to anybody. What is
0: the argument that the book kind of presents that romanticizes or, or advocates for old books or like the old methodology? Like what's better about it other than nostalgia and, you know, that's the way we've always been doing it?
1: Um, part of it, I think is the, like, I guess if I were to, if this book has a moral and I don't think that it strictly speaking does, but if mm-hmm. it did have a moral, it would be that, you know, the, the journey is as important as the destination. It's it's not, you know, I'm boiling it down to a, to a sentence that sounds pretty trite, but mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's about the, the searching and about. I don't know. There are some references to like you know the way books smell or the way they feel in your hand, which Penumbra actually kind of jokes about. He's like, you know, you know, you're doomed when people start talking about the smell of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, it doesn't sound like the book,
0: the this literal book that you read, uh, comes down on either side of the fence, right?
1: Well, I mean, I think if you know, the journey is as important as the destination is one thing, and then the other thing is that. Technology does not necessarily mean the end of, you know, the end of books that you know and you love. Like, yeah, like there are people who try to say that, you know, Kindles are evil or Nooks are evil or whatever, or, th- or they're in some way innately inferior to paper books. And I think what this book argues is that, you know, the story is still there and that is what's really important. Is like I don't know stuff like what we're doing is we're reading books and we're talking about them and most of the time whether it was an ebook or a paper book does not come up like it's not material to the discussion of of what the thing was about.
0: No, I I will catch myself sometimes having read something, uh, in ebook form, spe- specifically reading it on my iPad. Uh, just looking at that screen, kind of, just that white on black background kind of internalizes into my head as part of the like the visual landscape of the book. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the physical book, the cover impacts me a lot more, right? Cause I have to, I look at the cover every time I open the book. So maybe just myself as someone who is visually oriented in terms of how I remember things, that kind of imprint becomes a little bit more, not well important doesn't sound t- doesn't sound right but
1: but they associate themselves in your mind yes like I'm like that's the visual that's associated with the book for you
0: yeah and and I'm reading the reader right now for next week and th- that's a I'm reading a small trade paperback version of it um and even that is kind of affecting like the layout of the of the smaller pages is affecting how there are lots of short chapters in that book and just I don't know the size of each page and all that kind of thing that definitely has an experience on the or an effect on my experience with the book,
1: yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty commonly cited among people who are advocates for old style books or like you know paper books. yeah, is, um the publisher or the author or whoever has some modicum of control over the way it's presented, like the font and the spacing and how like images are laid out. Like the the one thing that I really do not like about Kindle books is that the images always look terrible. Yes. Yes. Like they're always little and blurry, and I usually read in um in white text on a black background mode. Yeah. And so they always just look like crappy white JPEGs or whatever. <laughs> like it's it's a big I notice it the most I think with Vonnegut because he makes so many little illustrations in his stories, but
0: Yeah. Oh, I just—I had another thing I wanted to say. Oh no. Oh, keep going. I'll try and think okay. of it. Well,
1: I mean, it, it, that that particular contrast is not something that this book gets too heavily into, but it is. I guess it does make you think about, you know, what can technology do for books, and what can we do? What can we still do with books or with? analog stuff that we cannot do with technology because um so corvina is totally against them using google's tech to try and break the code of this book but they you know clay sneaks in he has this homebrew book scanner that's created by um by a fictional book pirate (laughs) named grumble like he's a he's you know, he takes like fonts and freely distributes them and dwarf? books and freely distributes them. He's, you never actually meet him, but he's, he's one of those information wants to be free types, I think.
0: All right. He's doing um, it for the lulls, is what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Right. And he's not doing it for the lulls. He's not, he's not quite that bad, he, but he's more like WikiLeaks without all the stupid bravado. <laughs> okay. Or the rape allegations. Yeah. <laughs>
0: He's he's Julian Assange before we all kind of went get out of here, get out of here, <laughs> get out of here, you,
1: you Bill Maher looking dude. The
0: world needs to
1: know. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go into Smashing Pumpkins for a second. <laughs> Don't know. Anything. The world is a vampire. <laughs> um. So they they sneak in and they scan this book.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And they take it to Google and they basically throw all of Google at it. There's a sequence where Kat is directing this team of people outsourcing the 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 um the decryption of this book to peop to computers and people all over the world. And there's this this passage where Clay says, you know, for three seconds today, nobody could get their Gmail, nobody could search for anything. Like all of Google was devoted to Cracking this code and uh, Google uh, can't do it.
0: I was just gonna ask. I was just gonna ask if it was like twenty four technology where like someone throws a switch and all of a sudden all the computers in the world just go this way and yes, and it just there's a little bit of a little that. bit like of computer this, magic the concept happening. Concept of this
1: thing called the big box, which is just where all of Google lives. Oh yeah, like Tron. Is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but in other areas, it's it's surprisingly i guess faithful to what tech can do like there are systems where if you need a bunch of human eyes at the same time like you can outsource it oh yeah yeah totally to a bunch of people at once i i'm trying to remember what it's the amazon one
0: is amazon mechanical turk uh, yes mechanical turk is Which the, is is the named name. after that fake robot that existed in like the 17th century or something
1: um, and, and, you know, they talk about the weakness of optical character recognition or OCR, which is the, you know, when you scan a page in, how well can the computer make that into text that you can then manipulate as opposed to just a picture of that. Ah, of uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, yeah, one of the things about Sloan that's kind of interesting is he, you know, he, ha- he is very interested in technology and he does live in San Francisco, which is as soaked in tech as I think any place can possibly be. Mm hmm. And that's actually one of the things that I found a little jarring about the book is that it talks freely about startups and Google and Kindle and Facebook and Apple and all this stuff in a way that assumes that the reader is familiar with them all. And a modern reader is going to be familiar with them all. But I can't help but wonder, you know, how this is going to read to somebody in a hundred years who doesn't have the benefit of of context but or anything I,
0: I i get that and i know i'm sure i've made the exact argument you're making about other books <laughs>
1: yeah like but, i'm trying to, i'm trying to think like if we read jekyll and hyde or if we read holmes or something yeah like what technologies or, or whatever exist in that book that we need to go and look up more stuff about or or is it Just we know enough about that period of history, like we studied it enough in our various schools that we like we nobody uses like a rotary phone anymore. But no, I think that is still like I I have to talk to a five year old and see what they think. But I feel like that's still (laughs) I had it's still universally recognized as a phone. Okay,
0: let's let's just recognize that I had an eleven year old the other day tell me that Facebook was for old people. So.
1: (laughs) But he knows what Facebook is.
0: Oh, she knows what Facebook is. Oh, she knows what Facebook is. Oh, and she is is way too cool for Facebook. Tell you that much. She really? Yeah. So, I guess what you're you're kind of saying is it it does raise the questions of how any of the current technology we use will get preserved and how it will get recorded in history books. Because also so much of the technology we use right now is branded Mm -hmm. in a way that, like, candles weren't branded and as much as the phone was an invention by someone, it it's not like you go to like. The, the iPhone is such a bizarre universal thing that is mm-hmm. emblematic of a whole. Like it's like the Xerox copier, you know.
1: It's sort of becoming a symbol for phones, like the like the receiver part. Yes, is a symbol for phones now. Like if you look at if you look at the iPhone, the phone icon is a picture of a receiver. Which is and, so you know, weird. M- maybe, maybe in like ten or twenty years or something, the icon be- just becomes something that vaguely looks like an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make it, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Or like the floppy disk is yeah. still in a lot of software used as the shorthand for saving something.
0: Well, and we call even
1: though these computers have not touched a floppy disk
0: <laughs> in decades, we call uh, when we save something on the internet to read it later, we call it bookmarking. That
1: doesn't make any sense. What's a bookmark? I don't know.
0: (sighs) Yeah, this is weird, but (laughs) there's no good way to talk (laughs) about this. Well, there's debate with, like, in the film industry, too, of how do you preserve films that get shot on digital? Because in the future, when the aliens show up, unless they have a Blu-ray player, they're screwed. Like, they can't hold... Yeah,
1: think about all the stuff, like, trapped on HD DVDs forever. Oh, man, all those home movies... They can't ever
0: matches. watch all those <laughs> copies of the Matrix trilogy. They can't watch. But to your um, earlier point, yeah, somebody. Oh, oh no, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. To yeah. your earlier point about the book itself is, I'm sure I've made a similar point before, but I disagree with it in this instant. Is I don't know that Sloane can write for a hundred years from now. Right? He has no,
1: and I, he doesn't have to worry about that. I don't think.
0: But. It, but it is jarring. I guess. Especially, especially how we consider books and and how we think about the books for the, books for the show. Like it is interesting to think about a modern book standing the test of time, because yeah. it does well, feel it's, like especially
1: collapsing. If it touches on new technology, because technology keeps changing more rapidly. Yes. Yes. Um, you know there there were big inventions like the television and the microwave and things that you know were invented and continuously evolved and improved over the course of the decades but you know the first tv is still recognizably a tv sitting next to like a modern flat screen
0: oh yeah and the first phones are nowhere near like what phones are
1: now yeah i mean phones have become more like more like computers yeah i mean they are computers well
0: and cars Um, are doing the same
1: thing too yeah yeah but um yeah to get back to you know writing for an audience that's 100 that's a, that's 100 years from now um somebody that i work with actually wrote a pretty good piece about this not that long ago it was like he was going through and cataloging the history of the android operating system mm-hmm. And like what all the various pieces of it looked like over the years. And it feels like Android has been around forever, but it has only really been like a strong commercial force for four or five years at this point. Yeah. And so much of it is cloud based that you effectively for a lot of it, you can't go back and see what it was like to use it five years ago because it the services have either been changed so much that they're incompatible with it or they've been shut off entirely. And so yeah, like how do you preserve this stuff? And that's that's a question in um, video game preservation, like yeah. all all the any any of this stuff that touches proprietary or like privately owned servers or whatever. Well, any anything like, that How how, how are Internet, we going to yeah. tell anybody about it? Well, it's not going to. How are we going to tell anybody what Gmail was like ten years ago?
0: No, no, <laughs> God. Or you, you have business models that are created now, like that bagel nut, what that new bagel place, whatever that is, was, <laughs> um, that exist on internet platforms that will go away and are and are were new five years ago, and now everyone has a degree in using them, and then those degrees yeah. will be worthless in ten years. Yeah,
1: like stuff. Stuff either has to continue to exist and evolve along with the rest of the internet, or it gets left behind. Like, how long is it going to be before we can't go to the website for this the Space Jam movie, the oh, official website man. for the movie, and oh, see all the fun games and the information and stuff? Someone,
0: someone saved all those GeoCities pages, though, right? That did happen. I
1: think a lot of them were saved. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Those little construction it was like man. the Internet Archive or something. But
0: anyway, well, so. This book doesn't sound like it is tackling the internet writ large as much as it's tackling technology with regard specifically to the consumption of like story and and book, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Or or like
0: hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess I guess that's right. I'm I'm trying to articulate the
0: It seems to have a narrower focus than what we just kind of we're riffing yeah. about, which is fine. I, I'm actually kind of interested in why and how the book succeeds in maybe not engaging with some of the larger ramifications of this stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's partly it partly gets away with it because I think it was written pre-Snowden. Fair. This is from 2012. Yeah. And um, and so those questions were less at the front of people's minds, and there are there is a fleeting mention of the fact that you know google builds all this cool stuff and then they use all of it to collect and then sell ads to everybody and that's how they make their money it's presented in the book as as kind of a good thing from the googlers perspective because they don't have to worry about business models they don't have to worry about every hardware initiative making money because the ads make the money and they don't have to worry about it yeah and it's That's one of the things that I really like the least about technology. Like I was, I was just at Google's developer conference a couple of weeks ago and I was talking with some peers or I I think I was tweeting about it too. Like Google does all this cool stuff and I cannot in good conscience get excited about it because it's all done with this like ulterior motive Mm. in mind and, and to work, you know to be funded to make money for them to be feasible for them, it has to invade my privacy in some way and chip away at at those boundaries between people. I don't know
0: yeah, that's fair or or create bound like the other flip the, the it's interesting that you that you say create boundaries between people or create chip away at boundaries between people excuse me because the other work that this kind of that penumbra reminds me of is um there's a playwright that i that i really like named sarah rule who wrote a book or not a book a play years ago called dead man's cell phone which by this it's kind of dated now her like what a cell phone was when that play came out like seven years ago <laughs> um but her argument is in favor like there's a character that's works in a bookstore and talks about the romantic smell and and feel of paper and talks about how technology is creating walls between us and and disconnecting us from one another uh and we're not actually making any human connections anymore which does not seem to be the tact that this book presents
1: no and i i think the we're not we're not making human connections anymore argument is like the weakest one ever (laughs) like that's that's the straw manniest weakest argument you can make against technology because it it paints a picture of some world that didn't exist where before we had smartphones, everybody was always going out and just hugging everybody else. All <laughs> no, the time. I don't like, it's it's not like <laughs> No, but I do like I do sometimes look
0: up on the train and ev- like Everyone has a thing in their ear, so that they couldn't even possibly. Everyone is very happy to have the excuse to not hear what the person next to them said, myself included, right? And
1: yeah, but I mean, what did you do before? You you sat with your Walkman, or you sat with a book, or like people have bring bring people have been bringing distractions that are also don't talk to me signs on to public transportation with them for as long as public transportation has been a thing
0: (laughs) yeah i suppose but i feel like the larger message that that we are putting out there is yo that's totally cool just go look at go look at twitter or go look at dog photos. I don't know. And I really like Twitter and dog photos, so I'd uh catch 22. But I've
1: made like I've made real person friends on Twitter. Like it's people who I never would have met or interacted with otherwise. So it's it's not there, yeah, it goes both ways. I understand yeah. it goes both ways. Yeah, I, I think that it is it is a shaky argument that cannot be meaningfully quantified and so come up with something better. <laughs> <laughs> is is what I'm what I'm saying, basically. I think that I think that's all the plot stuff
0: that you you want to do. You want to talk about, about Penumbra at all? I get a bit more because mm-hmm. you mentioned you want to talk about Penumbra himself a bit, and I know we're we're gonna run out of time pretty soon. Oh,
1: well, most most of it was just that that he is he is old, but he is optimistic about technology, and he provides a flip side to Corvina's never use technology, like don't don't do any modern stuff. And you know Penumbra also stocks popular books in the store. Mm-hmm. And Corvina is against that like he thinks they should just have the the um, mysterious old volumes in them and and Penumbra's like, "Well, I I want people to have something that they actually want to read. Like I want <laughs> 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 Like what is the point of having a bookstore if not to if not to let people actually read things?" So, is he like a Merlin character? Is he like a Dumbledore character? He's, he's, not a Gandalf. Quite a Dumbledore. he's um you know he's he's a mentored figure of sorts to Clay, but he's also very human. Like when Google fails to decrypt the Minutius book, he he is really, really disappointed and he disappears for a while. Uh oh.
0: Penumbra the White coming back.
1: No, he doesn't die. He doesn't like <laughs> He doesn't fight against a Google Balrog and then <laughs> fall off a bridge or something. Thou shalt not search. <laughs> Thou shalt not glass. Oh. I would have accepted that. God, missed it. No. Come on, ah. wake up. Get but
0: you dug the game. You dug this one. It was. Was it an adventurous romp? What? Is, you, you had a good time. Yeah, it was a fun,
1: it's a fun adventure story. Okay, it's like a good. It's a good version of a Dan Brown book. <laughs> you heard it here first everybody <laughs> because it you know it involves secret societies and decrypting stuff and um it seems like like clay is is not a super special dude in and of himself but he is good at finding the right person to help him at the right times like he he has a rich friend who can always fund all of his misadventures and he has an artist friend who he can turn to for stuff and, and you know he has all he has all these human connections that he can mine for help yes even though he himself cannot do a whole lot of stuff by himself right um but he's not you know the you don't think about that as you're reading the book we're, we're in the da Vinci code and I think we did that book in episode four so go back if you want to hear more about oh man what I thought about that one but I thought all the t- the jumps and twists in logic and the and all the times where he'd save the day by thinking of the right thing at the last possible second i found that more distracting yes and it and and that process is more organic in this book i guess
0: okay i can't speak to how the uh the stieg larson novels handle it though i understand that that is another book that those girl the girl who with the dragon played with fire uh, yeah, yeah yeah those obsessed over technology a lot too cuz there's lots of sleuthing
1: yeah though by the by the same token, I read the New York Times review of this of penumbra mm-hmm. and it mentions the Larson books up top, and it says, you know, they are very obsessed with technology, but the you know, the super advanced laptop that the protagonist <laughs> is using is a power book which Apple stopped making in two thousand and six, or like if it's really if you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that's one where it's you're constantly saying to yourself oh look at all those look at all those goofy old computers (laughs) i can't believe we thought those were as cool as the people on this show seem to think they are they were as cool andrew yeah so that that's the kind of thing that i worry about like even a modern audience who has these things in living memory like if you if you wrote a book all about connecting to aol via dial-up like we would understand what you were talking about but it would it would date the work pretty immediately
0: Well, then I think it would become, then it's on you to make it a book about that and about that as an interesting period piece rather than, you can't just set an adventure story there, Mm -hmm. I think, without a thematic connection.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, you you don't want to just write a book that's about something else, but then describe painstakingly the specs of the phone that the person is using. Mm -hmm. Quad core processor.
0: (laughs) blue Bluetooth. That bones have Bluetooth, and the, right?
1: And the the character says, Oh, with this with this advanced 4G LTE on Verizon, I can call just the person I need to solve this mystery.
0: <laughs> That'll be five dollars, please.
1: Oh man, I just made myself sad thinking of ad placement in books.
0: <laughs> oh man. So if you've got some sad ad placement in books stories, you can uh, send them to us at overduepod at gmail.com or you can tweet them to us at twitter.com slash overdue pod or facebook.com slash overdue pod. Madeline wrote us in this week uh, thanking us for the Tina Fey episode, so we thank her for for writing in, and she also said she's going through some of our back episodes, and we are very excited that she's doing that. They're all available on the website, right, Andrew?
1: Yeah, they are all available on the website, because you can visit our RSS feeds or our iTunes page, and subscribe to the show. If you subscribe on iTunes, if you would also take a second to rate and or review us, uh, those help the show be more visible in the search rankings and um it just generally generally really helps us out. We've gotten I think two new reviews from uh, Stephanie Griffin and Rosemoon78. Thanks uh, guys. Since we recorded last and they're they're very very charming. People seem to really like the 50 Shades show and I'm I'm feeling like the more notes I get about people who like that show, the more that we're gonna be drawn back into that universe. I can't even. Oh God. So I mean, if if by popular demand we have to read the rest of the Fifty Shades trilogy, like we will, we will, we might hate you forever, but we might also do it. So think about that. Never, never say us. never,
0: never say never. But you know, we'll push me over the
1: edges, Nebraska. I'll just say that. Uh, if somebody, if, if we get somebody from Nebraska who emails in and says, I'm from Nebraska, here is a copy of my birth certificate and my current driver's license, you should read more Fifty Shades books, then I think we would have to do We it. would
0: have to do it. We would have to do it. Andrew, you didn't mention the website, it's <laughs> overduepodcast.com.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry, I dropped the ball okay. on mentioning our website on the internet, overduepodcast.com. They could also just um, Google on, it, right? <laughs> yes. They could Google it or schmoogle it <laughs> alternatively. Also, up on the website, we have Amazon links to all the books that we have read, are going to read. If you click those and then buy the books, whether you want to read ahead or read along or read b- behind, I guess, yeah, <laughs> we get a little bit of cu- a little cut of that, which helps defray our hosting costs and things. So, we really appreciate that too. Um, speaking of reading ahead, Craig, you are up next week. So, w- what is it that you're reading again?
0: I am reading The Reader.
1: Okay, that's a little on the nose, I think. <laughs>
0: stop it! Stop! I who, stop who, it. Who's it
1: by? Uh, I think it's Bernard Schlink. If I'm sh- Schlink. Hold on, I'll go. I'll go to OverduePodcast.com dot com and check. Uh, yeah, Bernhard Bernhard Schlink.
0: Bernhard Schlink. Oh, there's an H in there. Bernhard Schlink. Schlink. Yeah, yeah, Which is a good name so uh, It was made into a motion Bernhard. picture a couple years ago It was written in the 90s uh, <laughs> It's an interesting book I uh, like it All so right. far
1: Good good So we will be back with that next week And in the meantime everybody try to be happy
0: got something in my teeth what I don't I don't know it's I was eating some popcorn earlier and I think I got popcorn in my teeth What are you typing so furiously?
1: I'm flushing out my notes here and then <laughs> I just I ended it in the middle of a thought. And I didn't want to like get to the end of that thought during I the thought recording. the ending of the book was really I thought this book was good. <laughs> it's yeah. a short episode.
0: It's a pretty short episode. We did
1: it. I liked it.
0: it was, was it good for you? It was good for me.
1: I thought it was fine. <laughs>
0: I've had better. That's one of my favorite Jim Carrey quotes. I've had better.
1: My favorite Jim Carrey quote is when he's talking out of his butt. Yeah. yeah funny, funny stuff.
0: Uh huh. Finkel is Einhorn, Einhorn is Finkel, am I good right? Good
1: morning, good evening, and good night. I'm in, I'm, my life's a TV show.
0: Oh no, oh they no. erased you from my memory and everything's really <laughs> sad and confusing. I'm Truman.
1: <laughs> oh no, I can't, the water, I can't go in the sailboat. Cause my traumatic past.
0: Ed Harris, you live in the moon. <laughs> Why is Paul Giamatti there eating
1: chips? Oh, no. Oh, no. My friend with the beard, <laughs> who's pretty good on the Americans, actually. He didn't have a beard in that movie. No, beer. Beer, not beard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. Laura, Laura Linney, my wife. It was Laura Linney, right?
0: Yes, it was Laura Linney. He my wanted wife. to date that redhead, though.
1: My wife. I'm so crazy.
0: My wife, I why almost, are you selling
1: these knives? <laughs> getting close to Borat. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> Uh So, did you have a good fourth, Andrew? Were you going to introduce the show first?
0: Uh, maybe Were I don't. Be like, I don't know, know if that
1: extended Truman
0: show riff is a great way to open the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can put it on at the end. Yeah. So maybe I would say. How's your fourth, Andrew? But so just like up front, you say like, "Here's the podcast books, men, and men are gonna read." Oh man, my name's Craig. My name's Andrew. We haven't done seventy of these. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, we said we were gonna front load it a little more.
0: Remember, we said that like we'd take like ten seconds to get rolling and then do the intro.
1: Oh, what do you? Do you think so you think hey, how was your fourth is gonna be a really good ten second conversation? We'll figure it out. <laughs> did you not listen to the open of the
0: last one? I did it artfully. It was pretty good. Oh god. Up? Oh,
1: so you want me to like roll up to it? Yeah, we're we're not gonna
0: do the five minute lead in, we're gonna
1: do like the thirty we're second just, lead in. Okay.
0: Where it's like, Oh, by the way, you're listening to the show, and let's keep talking about what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, okay. How is it? So, Craig, how was your fourth? <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is all going in at the end. <laughs> <laughs>